my boyfriend called and said, I just dropped the money off at your house and your dad was tripping. Welcome everyone to the Black Prospector Show. Y'all know the routine. Like, subscribe, hit the notification bell. I guess that's what all the YouTubers say, so I'm going to do the same thing. Just because I hear it helps boost the algorithm and help boost up the show because here we're all about black masculinity and black fatherhood. And so we're going to jump back into the interview. This is part two of the interview that I did with my girl Dana as she is talking about her dad, Bill. So I wanted to give a, a brief intro. I didn't do one for the first video, but to really talk about Bill because in this one, I've been mean, just listening to it all over again. I was smiling and grinning and, and just reminiscing because the stories that she told, uh, I think it sets the bar high for us as black fathers. One of the things that Dana is going to talk about in this episode is the fact that the role that her dad played in coming to her sporting events and also her brother's sporting events. Now, growing up with my kids, you know, one of the things, even with my oldest son being raised in, a, you know, between two households, one thing I never liked to do, and that was to miss his games. Now, later on in life, because of various factors at play, you know, that that butting of heads that many parents have when they're in separate homes, uh, it did come into play where I didn't make some games, especially when he was in junior high school. And when we that was probably when we had our, our most tumultuous time in our relation in his relationship or my relationship with him, I'll say, uh, because it was mostly on my end. But I'll certainly say when he was younger, getting him started off in flag football, I was going to be there when he got older and he was in high school playing football. I always tried to make sure I was there, even when I didn't have any money. And believe me, I mean, he he knows the story. And and I've told the story perhaps before where I was trying to take the other four children to the game and some of the games because you know some of these janky stadiums are still be charging even for little kids to come in and there I am with a double stroller two kids in there two other kids in tow to go watch his football games to go watch his track events because to me that was what my role was as a dad so I'm going to have to say guys if you listening to me and watching me right now and you do not go to your kids games there, that is a huge area that you are failing in. One of the most memorable times that they're going to have in their life is playing a sport. And as you're going to hear Dana talk about, playing the sport really is not about who wins or lose. It's the fact of remembering what happened when dad is there. Now, too many times men like to all of a sudden, you know, clap and cheer when their kid makes it big. And then we wonder why we see the, the kids or now the grown man mouth, hi mom, to the audience or talks about his mom being there. Because I have to wonder how many of those fathers were there. We talk a little bit about Serena and, and Venus Williams. One thing we know, their dad was there. And so I'm so glad she brought that up. And I just want to send that out as a reminder and encourage you dads to get out there and dedicate your time to go to your kids' games, to make sure you are there to teach them. You're going to hear her talk about how he taught her how to, to uh, or taught other kids how to even play the sport. So it wasn't that he was even out there just coaching his kids. He was also coaching other people's kids. Now today, what do we say? Well, you don't talk to my child like that and you know stop talking to my child and you shouldn't be yelling at my child. And, and understand, she's not saying that he was 
that dad or that mom that we all know about that's always yelling, that's basically a heckler on a bunch of little eight-year-olds out there. No, he was coaching him and trying to encourage him and tell him to improve and do better. And you're going to hear that story. You're also going to hear him bring up or she's going to bring up about his favorite sports teams and the fact and how the fact that it was very important that the teams he rooted for stood for something socially. In a way, Bill was kind of like Dr. Harry Edwards looking at how teams, and for those who don't know, Dr. Harry Edwards in sociology of sport, he's considered the father of sports sociology. And he is the man that is responsible for John Carlos and Tommy Smith when he organized the 1968 Olympics when they put the black fist in the air on the glove, black gloves, they had the black gloves on their fist that they put into the air. And so that emphasis on a black man playing a sport, it transcends the ball. What does that mean socially and for the people? And so I'm gonna bring that back around again to dads as a parent. Going to your kids' games is not about the sport. It transcends the sport. It's about your support for your child and even some of the other children out there. It's about that support. And one of the most disappointing things, one of the most disappointing things I've seen in my lifetime is that when I was in the city, when I was in the city and I would go places and look and see empty places where kids were playing and you wouldn't see that black father there. You might see the black mom and in many cases you didn't even see either one of them. Now, if it's because of work, we can talk about that. But even then, sometimes some things need to be put a little bit on the back burner. And I know it's the hardest for us to do in our communities. But I'm talking about for those who do it out of choice. I'm talking about those who they have their own program and agenda so they don't go watch their own kids play. Those are the parents that I'm talking about. When I went and I was out in the white suburbs, I did not see that nearly as much. As a matter of fact, most of the time, you see more fathers there than you see mothers. I want the same thing in the black community as well. And I'm gonna encourage you black fathers to get out there and to be there for your kids playing their sports and even teaching other young men, or in some cases, young women, about the sport. Hey, I had to coach a little bit of, of flag football even just this, you know, actually it's almost a year ago. It was earlier this year. Uh, didn't anticipate it and in doing so, but the need was there. And I'm actually glad I did because it was actually pretty pleasurable. This was my son's last season being able to play flag football. And so I was glad to be able to participate and do that. And I even told the main coach, I didn't, didn't plan on it because I'm busy enough. I felt like I'm busy enough. But to even be there for his practices, to be there for his games, that's just what needs to be done. Part of my kids playing, me being there, it comes as a package. It's not something that they just go off and do. One of the things that saddens me is I remember growing up, my brother was on the swim team. Now, people crack jokes about black people not knowing how to swim, but my brother was on the swim team. I never went to one of his swim meets. Now, this is my little brother. I'm you know, considerably older than he is, but I still look back at that and even feel like I should have been there to support him. So 
Maybe that was another reason why I have to support my kids. I'm going to encourage you to support your kids as well. Lastly, she talks about taking money from men. <laughs> Is it misogynistic? Should a woman be taking money from a man? Listen to how her father handled taking money from another man. You know, I think all of us as dads, as I look at the outcome and the woman that Dana is today, you know, certainly there is a desire in my own heart that maybe my daughter would feel the same way about me in the future. But it's hard because for so, let's say many years, many young ladies actually grow up wanting to get out from under dad, to go with that guy, to see that guy, uh, to date someone. But you're going to hear how he put the lid down on another man giving his daughter some money. Think about even how many women grow up in homes where the mom tells the daughter, girl, you better go on out there and get that money. As you listen to this interview, just kind of look at the gender differences on how situations were handled versus you know how mom might handle it and how dad might handle it how mom in a single home might handle it versus dad being there how it got handled bill was a protector bill was a provider bill was an educator and that's something that i think all of us as black men can learn from as we listen to this interview think about how you can be a better protector, a better provider, and a better educator for your children. And if you may think it's a little bit too late, I can tell you, I watched Bill educate first me as a little egghead kid coming around, but I watched him educate his older sons, and I certainly still try to educate mine, and he's 30 years old, over 30 actually. I still, no, no, I, don't get it twisted. I know, I know how old you are. But we're not going to make it too. You know, people knowing all our business. But he's over 30. And I still try to educate him when I can. And so, and any other, especially young man that comes to me, he's going to hear my mouth, just like Bill. And I learned to sometimes run my mouth because of Bill. Because when that day comes and we're no longer here, our stories stop. And that's what every black man has a story is all about. I wish Bill was here to tell his story, but we're blessed and I'm blessed to still have Dana in my life to tell the story for him. So as always, go to your dad, go to your uncle, go to your brother, go to that man in your life and just ask him, you know what, would you tell me a story? So let's get into the interview. Give me a comment, email me blackprospector at gmail and certainly or leave comments down below. Let's chop it up. Let me know. Also, there's very, very um, inspirational in my life. This is the best part I can do. Me being the only girl, sometimes, well, for, besides that, I was the apple of his eye, for sure. Because I was the girl. I was, <laughs> I was. He wanted to make sure that I never felt left out. So I could give you some stories, one story in particular. Um, and I didn't feel left out. So one story in particular, I remember 
one of my neighbors would tease me. My mom worked like 7.30 to 4.30 and we had to be at school at 8.45. So I left home by myself basically and walked with the neighbor kids. So my mom didn't see me to go to school. She would do my hair and lay my clothes out. So one time I went to school and she said, that is not what you were supposed to put on. So she would order my clothes by the days of the week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And they didn't see me because my parents were gone. So one of my neighbors was saying, oh, you just spoiled. Every time I see you, you dressed all from, from head to toe, everything matched. She didn't know I was dressed like that because my parents didn't see me go off to school and they wanted to make sure that I looked decent to go to school. I remember my mom had ordered the clothes from Sears, JCPenney's and Montgomery Wards. And I remember her saying to my dad, well, these cost more but at least she'll be color coordinated when she go to school and look like somebody care about her. And my dad said, I didn't ask you how much it costs. I just wanted to know if you got her school clothes. Mm. And he was real particular about our shoes. It was nothing for him to take all of us to go get shoes. He was real particular about our shoes because he said, you got to make sure your feet are good because they hold your body. Mm. So you got to protect your feet. Um, so my brothers, when it came to whatever cleats, they got the best cleats. That's why I never knew we had any financial issues until DTE showed up at the door, mm. but he did the best. They got the best. Cause he would be like, they gotta have good shoes. They gotta have good equipment so that they can be protected. Um, while they on the football field, on the baseball field. So very particular about that. And want to make sure that his kids were together on Easter. He took my brothers to the store and bought their clothes he would, and made sure my mom had the money to take me to the store He bought my clothes. On Mother's Day, he took all of us to the store to make sure my mom had a new outfit, flowers, whatever gifts we want, perfume, and we went to dinner. And I used to always tell her a little bit because he would be like, I'm not telling you this year. I'm not taking you with us because you go tell the group. So you go tell the surprise. <laughs> so I finally got it. But he always wanted to make sure that my mom was celebrated as well and appreciated. So in, and even after he wasn't here anymore, I continued with that. We always, me and my brothers made sure my mom was taken care of because that's what he did and wanted to make sure. So mm -hmm. that, but the one thing I was going to say, I never felt left out. Um, back to my neighbor's story when she had told us, told me, are you always dressed and this and that? And I was naive and didn't really pay attention. She would give money to a couple of my other neighbors. She worked at GM. She would give them $5 for you today, Dana. And I'd be like, okay, my brother. And then I, and I never got offended. We would walk to the store and I would pull my money out and I would come back. And one time she said, how did you buy some? I said, oh, my daddy gave me some money. And she was like, Oh, so that didn't bother me. That didn't bother her. It bothered, I mean, it didn't bother me. It bothered her because she was really trying to say, I'm not giving you nothing because you spoiled and you don't need nothing. But my dad made sure I always had something. So it didn't, it didn't even phase me. My brother had to tell me, you ain't caught on yet. <laughs> Why do you keep going down there? She never called you in the house to give you $10. Mm. And I was like, oh, okay. So that kind of stuff, he made sure. Not only for me, but even kids in the neighborhood. If the ice cream truck came down the street and you was on the street, if he knew you or he didn't know you, do you want some ice cream? Do you want something off the truck? He would let everybody pick whatever they want. He wasn't like, you only can get two for a dollar. You got whatever you want and he paid the man. And 
we left. So that's the kind of dad I had. Why do you think he was so generous? I think because coming up, it was hard for them. So he wanted to make sure you always want to make sure your kids are better or have better. So I just think he wanted to make sure not just us, mm -hmm. but, and he wasn't, he was really into being that everybody was treated fairly. So mm -hmm. he wasn't going to just stand at the truck and buy us something and let all the other kids stand with no money. He wouldn't do that. Mm -hmm. Even at graduation, and you know this, when I graduated, one of my friends stayed, what I got, she got. Because mm -hmm. he didn't want her to feel different. So, mm -hmm. yeah, very fair. Well, I know your dad had a thing for sports. So can you please oh, tell uh, me your father's top three sports teams? And if you know why they were his top sports teams. Let me tell you the very first team. All right. <laughs> The Boston Celtics. The Boston Celtics, he liked them because they were the first team that let Black people play. Mm. And they paid them the amount they were supposed to. Mm. He said they wasn't taking advantage of the Black people that had all of the um, talent. They paid them what they were worth. Second team, that's the same way he felt about Michigan State. He said that they looked out for Black people. So that's why he went for them. Um, Chicago Bears. Mm. That was his other team. He loved Chicago. He said those were the first ones that gave, started giving black people contracts, what they were actually worth. So does so. this explain why I think he also loved the LA Dodgers? Was it because of Jackie Thanks. Robinson? Yep. <laughs> exactly. You know, and, it, and even as the even as like people more talented came or whatever. He stuck with them. He didn't care if they had any talent or not, if they was going to the championship or not. That was his team. And that's what he stuck to. He didn't even stop us. Like I was a Detroit Pistol fan. He didn't stop us. He sent us to the game because he said, I want you to experience being in an arena. Although it was a game when they played Boston. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I thought for sure he was going to go. He said, no, I'm sending you. I want y'all to see how it is. I'm going to sit here and watch it at home. But y'all go see how it is to be in a live arena. Why do you think he stayed at home? Because he didn't want to give his money, all of his money to the Detroit Pistons. Because he said those wasn't our Pistons. They wasn't in Detroit. They was in, they was in Auburn Hills and they weren't pe playing people the way they were supposed to in the beginning and even at the end. So he didn't want to go to the palace. So he didn't go. Yeah. Wow. He didn't go. He gave his money though. He, mm -mm. So you could explain it. Yeah, he said, oh, I want y'all to see. I want you to experience how it is. What? I'm not going. Wow. It's, and and I, let me share my story because there's definitely, your dad was one of the few black men, few men I knew. First, let me say few black people that when I look back in my life at my younger age that ever really talked about race. And as I'm doing this show, I'm beginning to understand at least why some of our elders didn't really talk about race in the 70s, 80s, and even 90s. But I remember your dad not being ashamed to talk about race and why, it, basically, and this is why I asked you about the times in Florida on, on how that all played into this, mm -hmm. because he wasn't ashamed. And so 
you know, obviously, first of all, another thing that I can relate to, because I never rooted for any Detroit team. So your dad was one of the few people that was right there with me. Yeah, I don't root for them either. <laughs> so not caring for the Pistons, because that was time the Pistons were going up against, um, what, Larry Bird, Kevin McHale, they were pushing them aside. And I remember your father rooting for Boston and saying why. Now, mind you, this is at a time when Boston, especially because I was a big baseball fan, so the Boston Red Sox were known for being racist. Jim Rice was one of the few black players they had during that time period. But when, so when your father, he a Celtic fan. And then when he told me why, it was like, wow, somebody, of course, at the time, I didn't know what to do with that. And I remember mm -hmm. saying the same thing about Michigan State. And that yeah. was when I kind of put it all together. I was like, that's probably why he was a Dodger fan as well. So stuff that happened decades prior your mm -hmm. father still gave his allegiance for how they treated the black players and made yeah. sure talk about treating them fairly that's yeah. that that's something that had an impact <laughs> on me as well <laughs> oh yeah he was serious about that and then he he would i remember one time he said sent me down i was like why do you like the pistons though but why and i was like well they got isaiah thomas and they got this and he was like no but why and i but i i couldn't go no deeper and that's when he told me why he liked the Celtics. Mm. He said, let me tell you why I like the Celtics. And I was just like, oh, okay. Mm. So it was kind of still over my head. I understood, but it was still kind of over my head. Like, well, why do you pick a team? Why is your team your favorite team, really? Yeah. So. Now, how mm. much golf did your dad play? No. <laughs> Zero golf. Now, the reason why I ask, another story on my end, is that, and let me back up even a little bit further. Your dad, I remember when he would walk. Now, now, mind you all, her father would park really a half mile away where he had to park his semi and walk home. So a lot of yeah. times he would walk, well, he would always walk past our house to go home. Right. Right. And so <laughs> if he would be, when we would be outside, my parents would sometimes run, Oh, here come Bill. He gonna want to talk. So they're running the house. And so I might be in the house, maybe not anyway. But I mean, he would come out there and he would talk to us. He would talk to my parents. I usually would leave them out there talking and I just go in the house because not grown folks talking. But even if my sister, my younger sister, who was, I mean, if, let's just say if I was 12 at the time, so my sister was like four or five, whatever, he would talk to her. Uh -huh. And he would tease her because she was always sucking her thumb and walking around with her thumb hanging out her mouth. <laughs> he would always tease her about that. But when I look back over those years, that's the part that it's like he always was telling us a story. Whatever you wanted to talk about, he was going to talk about. And he always had a reason why he was going to talk about it and tell you a story all about it. And one time he told me a story about a guy named Tiger Woods. I'm in Detroit. Could have cared less about <laughs> golf. I, I knew Tiger Woods, obviously. But I remember your dad, I, I just remember like, I don't want to talk about golf. And he was like so caught up into watching golf because, mm -hmm. he would, and he would make these sound effects like, and Tiger came up there, wow, <laughs> hit that ball. And, then, and he was so enamored, obviously not right. because he played golf, but because mm -hmm. he now was seeing a black man yet again yeah dominate another sport that he yeah. remembers we weren't even allowed to go into those country clubs that's now right he's watching yet again he's seeing another sport mm -hmm. black man is although it was integrated but let's be honest it really was getting integrated with tiger woods right and now i look back it hit me your father's put me up on some game there 
and it went right <laughs> on over my head. <laughs> Which is that happened quite a bit. Quite a that, bit. Why right. I, I have to ask so much about him. Have to ask so much about him. Mm -hmm. So now let's move on. He was the same way about Serena and Venus too. Oh really? Tennis. Oh yeah. Oh tell he me was, more. Look at them girls. They oh she not playing. She not playing. Look how hard she's hitting that ball. And I didn't even know about tennis either, but he was one of the ones that made me start, like, he was like, she, they black. Look at them, they black. And that's when we start watching it. Mm -hmm. But he was like, look how strong they are. Like they are playing, look how serious they are. So mm -hmm. he would be like, they can't do nothing with that. Can't nobody do nothing with that. <laughs> that's what, probably why I watch tennis now. Right, exactly, exactly. Probably now. <laughs> Now, what role did your father play academically for you? As you so came to school, especially us going to some white schools. <laughs> what role did your dad play? The role, first of all, he always said, make sure you get your lesson. I don't care what you do. Make sure you get your lesson. That's that's what you got to do. You got to get your education because everybody can't get an education. Everybody wasn't always able to, but you can. So the reason I went to the private Christian school is because you remember... I don't know if you remember someone tried to steal my clarinet. No, but I do remember you playing the clarinet. Played the clarinet. Somebody tried to steal my clarinet sixth grade. And we had two weeks left in school. Mm -hmm. And so he didn't get my the guy didn't get our clarinet because we was hit. It was my clarinet and my neighbors, they had a flute and a violin and a trumpet. So we was like beating the guy. He was from high I school. do remember that now. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. at first I'm thinking they stole it like from school or something. No, it was. Oh no, 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 no. Yep. No. Yep. So when I got home and I told him, I had told my mom, and then she told him, and he was like, "What happened?" So I told him. He was like, "That's it. You're not going back to that school." And I was like, "I can't graduate with my friends. We we almost out of school. I can't graduate." And I was begging, "Please let me graduate." So he was like. Well, she gonna have to get a ride to and from. So he had told my mom, maybe you should take vacation or leave earlier, change your shift, but she can't be walking back and forth. So finally, because we agreed to like three or four more people in our group that we all walked at the same time, he, he allowed me to graduate, but that was it. He was like, oh no, we're not about to be bothered with that. I can't be worried about that. He was really upset. So when I went to the Christian school and with, well, the, the mostly white Christian school, mm -hmm. he would be like, you have to make sure you do your best so that you can be, we setting you up so that you can do some great stuff. So you got to make sure you get your lesson. I don't care what's going on. You got to get your grades. So what I did know until probably my senior year, I, I can remember on occasion that he would always, I would look out the school. We was, you know how our school was. You could look out over and I would see our car with the license plate so we pay tuition once a month but i would see him at least two or three times a week and i would be like even some people would be like dana there go your daddy there's your dad so he was checking i guess to make sure that i was doing what i was supposed to be doing at school mm. he would go and he worked the opposite direction but he would come out there in dearborn heights where we were mm. to make sure i was a at school and be taking care of business in school and but he also did that with my brothers he always showed up at their school mm. and that's why i said people knew him and he called my brother skipping a few times one of them Ooh. <laughs> but yeah 
he always checked with my teachers. He checked with the principal. They knew him. So and, even and- in elementary school, Devin, they knew him. <laughs> <laughs> but our teachers lived in our neighborhoods back then. So I had to get my, I remember I wanted my first job at JC Finney's, my real, real job. Mm-hmm. He said, I'm going to give you one semester. And my GPA then was probably like a 3.4 or 3.5. He said, yeah, it was like a 3.5. He said, if your GPA fall a half of a point, you quit. Because you don't have to work. You working because you want to work. You don't have to work right now. Your job is school. Mm. And I was like, the pressure was on. My my grades didn't fall. The pressure was on. And he was checking at the school to make sure. And then he got my, he knew my grades before. When I showed him my report card, he said, oh, I know you do it. Mm. And I was like, something wrong with him. (laughs) (laughs) And just so people have an understanding when you said about him coming out there, even at the high school, um, where, and it's funny because it's not like we that old, where we're like the little (laughs) rock kids going to school. We needed the national guard, but we were in a city at that time it was in dearborn heights but at that time no black folks were really in dearborn heights and when all the white students we went to school with had they come to jesus moment they told the truth that their parents were telling them they didn't want the school there because they didn't want black kids from detroit coming out to that school and so it wasn't it funny after ninth grade it was most of the white kids that got kicked out from the surrounding because they were so bad but um and and that wasn't around the corner because that was what 20 25 30 minutes away easily so it wasn't like he was just oh i'm just around five minutes let me go and see no uh-uh. no he tricked me he would come up to school with lunch <laughs> he would be like oh i thought you forgot your lunch here i bought your lunch mm. and then i start saying i ain't forgot my lunch we could pay for lunch i got money to pay for my lunch no, he was checking on me to make sure I was doing what I was supposed to be doing. Wow. And then yeah. when I think about it, I remember one time I asked him, I said, even though we remember they did, all the black people decided to skip school that day yeah. and we didn't do it. Right. We didn't do it. But uh, <laughs> that day was one together. of the days. We just can't stay together. <laughs> right. When, when that day we were about to do it, I looked out the window and I saw him turning into the parking lot. And I was like, whew, I'm glad. Mm-hmm. That I I'm just glad because my tuition they would send me to school with the tuition check. So trust you, yeah. But he still he trusted me to the point to make sure it was paid. But he didn't trust me enough. He wanted to make sure he was on top of me on my schooling. <laughs> well, let me leave, let me go back for a moment. With how did your father, when you look back, and I think this is a unique perspective you bring as a black woman your friends your other girlfriends because i was your friend too right but your other girlfriends how how many of them had a dad like yours at home and did they look at you a certain way because you had one if they did not or did not have one that was like yours Mm, i've had a few friends tell me even before the adulthood everybody didn't have a dad like yours Mm. They just flat out told me that. And I, I would be like, huh? They was like, everybody didn't have a dad like yours. Everybody's dad didn't care. Everybody's dad wasn't at home. So that would make me feel sad for them, but happy for me. But sad for them, like, I, I don't understand. Then I would try to relate 
but I didn't understand. But I mean, I was I was blessed to have the dad that I had. And with me having that type of dad, I would, I guess, brag and not realize I was bragging. Sometimes, no, my daddy said this or my daddy bought this. Like I can remember when I was cheering, I went to, we had to get cheer shoes. And my mom was like, you get me shoes for 1999. It was at Hudson's. You get me shoes for 1999 and I wanted these bass shoes that was $50, $49.99. And my dad said, they were arguing us, well, why she can't get those? And she was like, first of all, she not. She don't need no $50 shoes on her feet to cheer you. I was like, but these feel so much better. So we left the store. The store was about to close. They couldn't get it together. We left. My dad said, I, the lady said, oh, these shoes, we got to order them. They'll be there first thing in the morning. We went back to the store the next morning before my cheer game. And he bought both pair of shoes for me. Mm. And I cheer. And get this. I flipped. We had to jump a fence. I flipped and jumped the fence and tore the shoe. I, I was too scared to go tell him, but he was in the fans because my brother was playing for boss too, but he was in there, came after that. He would come and watch me finish my, my game or cheer me cheer before he realized my foot was hanging out the shoe. He said, come here, looked at it. And then he said, what happened to your shoe? So I told him he went to the car and bought the other pair of shoes on and brought them to me, said, change your shoes. I finished cheering the game. I didn't get in trouble for ripping the shoe took me back to Hudson and exchanged the shoe mm. and didn't say nothing. Wow. He told no my mom, surprise. he told my mom, but he didn't, he didn't say, he was like, well, I don't need to fuss about it. It got caught on the fence. Mm. She was like $50 and you replaced it. You should have just got your money back. He was like, no, nah, those was the shoes she wanted. Wow. She earned them shoes. I got them. I kept wow. them. And the last story with those shoes is I went to stay with one of my friends overnight, which I couldn't stay the night at many people's house. Mm -hmm. I went to spend the night and we went to church with them. And her mom was on drugs and my dad, my parents didn't know. And the mom stole my shoes, mm -hmm, $50 shoes, and had my shoes. So my dad had gave me this big lecture. I'm going to let you spend the night because he would not let us spend the night on game day. I'm not going to be running around town finding out where you at for game day. You got it somewhere to be at game day. That's where you're going to be. He said, he called me at 730 and said, get up. We on our way to come get you because we had to be at the field at 9 or 830 or whatever. Got there. I couldn't find my shoes. So he had my extra shoes. He gave me, he jumped out the, uh, he thought I had just forgot the shoes. So I got a lecture all the way to the field. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, no, I, I, I packed my shoes. I knew I did. I cheered in my other shoes. And then we found out later, he took me back over there to their house. When we got there, later, the mom came in with the shoes and the shoes had just looked like somebody ate them. And so I called naive Dana. Hey, I did bring my shoes. Her mom took them. He said, she took your shoes. And then, so he talked to her mom and found out she was on drugs. My dad came and picked me up at one o'clock in the morning mm. and said, you can't stay here. And he told, he told the girl's mom, cause she stayed there too. Your daughter stole my, your daughter took my daughter's 
shoes that was $50. He said, I don't want to fall out with y'all over $50, but she took my daughter's shoes. Mm. So I'm crying, but I didn't leave him. I didn't do, he was like, you got to go. And then I got a lecture on telling me that that wasn't safe. And he apologized and said, I shouldn't have let you go over there because I didn't know who came in and out of their house. Mm. All of the people, I only knew the people that came to church. Yep. Never spent the night over there ever again. And they did give my dad the $50 for more shoes. I bet they did. Yo, yo, again, your father was an imposing figure. So they didn't want him coming up. I remember he picked me up at one in the morning because I called home. It was late, like at a, at a 12 o'clock or 1230 because I wanted them to know my shoes because I was disappointed. Mm -hmm. Like I couldn't find my shoes and all of that that went on. I wanted to make sure that he picked me up. And I was like, Wee. wow. Now, let me ask this. What kind of man was your dad, let's say, in his 20s and 30s, from what you can remember? Mm. Or move it up to 30s and 40s, because you were mm, was around or young yourself. <laughs> Although I do remember, he was always the life of the party, always talking to somebody, always helping somebody. They used to have, he was president of the Black Club, which I am now, which is funny. Mm. But he always was the type of person to be accommodating to folks. So they used to have parties here. And I can remember as a kid that sent out the room because we wasn't in there, kids, business, adult business. We weren't there when it came to that. But I remember the house would be spotless and everybody came here and that. I also remember when he barbecued, the amount of food that was prepared for barbecues. Anybody could have ate here. The whole grill, he would start at six in the morning or five in the morning and go to 10 o'clock at night. And it would just be tons of food. And even the neighbors tell me stories. Now, your dad used to be like, here, come over here, taste this. Tell me what you think about this. And him and my neighbor across the street would have competitions on who had the better barbecue ribs and steak, whose was more tender and all of that. Um, he also was the person that always looked out for others. I could truly say that. So that's the father I remember, hardworking. Um, I can remember him giving us, we didn't get allowance, but I can remember him in my adulthood, even young, teenage, grownness when I was still here. He would put money on my, on my dresser in the mornings just to make sure we had money. And then I'm gonna tell you, tell you this story. I was dating a guy that my dad didn't care for. But what I found out <laughs> back later- to, Back to the you same know, dude you dated in elementary you know. school, your father, you was like, what are you with him, daddy? You know, you know the guy I'm talking about. So I went to get my hair, I was supposed to get my hair done. And I didn't have the money to get my hair done. I don't know what I did. So I asked my boyfriend, can you pay for my hair? Now, I was 20, 23 or 24. Say, can you pay for my hair? And my hair probably was 25 or $30. And he was like, yeah, I got you. So I wasn't at home. I don't know where I was. But we had cell phones then, so it wasn't that long ago. My boyfriend called and said, I just dropped the money off at your house, and your dad was tripping. He said, my, your dad gave my money back and said, she don't need your money to get her hair done. That's my daughter. So he had dropped off $50 for my hair. 
He gave the 50 or tried to drop off the $50. When I came in the house, my dad said, first of all, that's not your husband. You don't need to be taking nothing from him. If you short on money, you got me. Reached in his pocket. He said he gave you $50. Here, take this $100 and get your hair done and put some gas in your tank. But the look that was on his, the look on my dad's face, he was so hurt and so mad that I was almost like, I don't want to take the money now. I'm sorry. I, I just won't get my hair done. He was like, go get your hair done. Take this $100, put some gas in your car and come back home. I don't want to ever hear you taking no money from nobody that ain't your husband. If your last name ain't changed, the answer is no. Ooh, ouch. That's a good one. I was a grown-up. I was a grown-up, grown, grown-up. So really your father was being very uh, misogynistic. Really your father was being very <laughs> not respecting you as a woman. Really your father was being insecure. That's why he said all of that, right? No, my dad was letting me know. Don't nobody in these streets or nowhere else got your back but me mm. and your mom, but me. So if you need something, you come to me. You don't need to go to no another man unless it's your husband. Other than that, you don't have no business taking nothing from nobody. I don't care if he is your boyfriend. It, boyfriends and husbands is two totally different things. If you don't have a husband, then you don't need to take nothing because they want stuff. Mm, wow. I think that's an entirely different message than what many women are given today. Not when we live in a day and age of OnlyFans, premium snap, uh, get what you can out of whatever guy you can, you know, let's go out on a date so I can get fed and then go back and jump back on Tinder or whatever the dating app is to go on <laughs> one. I mean, your dad was definitely um, one of a kind there. And certainly uh, it'd be interesting well, I know how it already ended up because I know you. So, uh, and and you are far more in top quality than any of these other chicken head chicks out here. So, uh, <laughs> I can't play that. I just remember feeling so bad. And I remember when I went to bed, I started crying. I like cried myself to sleep because I felt, man, I hurt his feelings. That wasn't even my intent. Mm. And it wasn't that I didn't feel like I could go ask him for the money. I just was talking to my wife and I said, dang, I don't have the money to get my hair done. He said, oh, I got you. I said, can you get my hair done? Yeah. 